Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Returning there, remember this, in a couple of weeks, on April the 10th, we'll, uh, in the Sunday evening service, we'll spend some time dealing with Adventure Camp and, uh, and ahead of, I shouldn't have said in the Sunday evening service, ahead of that, 515, uh, that'll be April the 10th, 515, we'll, uh, we'll ask anyone that's interested in uh, and being a servant at Adventure Camp um, to be a part of that meeting, and we'll give uh, an overview of Adventure Camp. We're looking forward to that. The other meetings will um, be there Thursday, May 5th. That would be at our house for those that are signing up to be a part, and that's a training and team building. Um, uh, Sunday, May 22nd, 5:15. Again, uh, maximizing your connections throughout and uh, using just your connections in Adventure Camp. Uh, not just passing by opportunities, uh, Q&A, fair booth assignments, and then the last one, June 5th, the Sunday ahead of Adventure Camp, uh, gospel and invitation. How can we work together as a team uh, to, uh, to effectively lead those different parts the, uh, in the communicating the gospel every single night, but as well the invitation and uh, training uh, personal workers and so on. So that'll, that's the fourfold way that we're going to train. And by the way, um, part of our preparing for the harvest is to train, uh, to, to recruit and train uh, workers for, uh, for different ministry opportunities. And uh, just because it's uh, the work of the church doesn't mean that, we, that training isn't needed. In fact, uh, training's very needed inside the work of the church. You go take a job, right, somewhere, you're going to get trained and oriented. Sometimes we think, well, it's, it's just church. Well, uh, I'll do it my way. No, that's, that's not the best way to go about it. We need to be trained and so that we're all on the same page and for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So we do that, and so here's, here's the way that we'll do it. And uh, the reason that uh, Adventure Camp, Adventure Camp is one of the larger outreaches that we do in the year is, is, as far as uh, uh, many people working together. And so... Uh, in order for many people to work together well, well, we gotta we gotta put in some time ahead of time to uh, get these meetings in, and so help us out with that. Pray about it. I hope that you'll be involved. Don't think of yourself as a volunteer. Think of yourself as a servant. And we'll go over that some more. But that's a really very good distinction. All right. And uh, volunteers often serve according to their own convenience. Servants, which we are of Christ. Here I am, Lord. Use me whatever way you, you choose this and see fit. So, all right, you're there at Titus chapter number uh, two and verse number one. Let's read this, and I'll read you listen along. But speak thou the things that which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach, their, uh, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 
Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part, talking about those that don't believe the gospel, may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the, God, the doctrine of uh, God our Savior in all things. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and your guidance in these very specific practical matters of how the church is to function. Now, we need your help in, this, in these moments just to lay this out. Lord, I need your uh, anointing and your, your clarity, uh, your wisdom, and may we function well as a church together, even as we look forward to the different opportunities to reach out, Easter and Venture Camp. Lord, I pray that you'd make us an effective team for your glory and that we would be benefiting and encouraging one another within our assemblies, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you realize if you're here last, uh, last Sunday night, we didn't get all the way through the message, so this is part two. Here we are, part two. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to cover uh, some things that we covered last week, but first of all, I just want to say that we're dealing with a matter of uh, life application in a healthy church. The Bible gives us doctrine that we are to communicate, that a preacher is to communicate, and that doctrine is not just to be kept at a a theoretical or a doctrinal level, it is to be applied down into the lives. Look at verse number one, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. He did not say in this verse, but speak thou sound doctrine. He said, speak thou the things that become sound doctrine or are worthy or in balance with sound doctrine. And so the, the, the understanding here is that Titus was responsible in those churches within Crete to set up leaders that would and as to well lead by example that would take the doctrine of God's word, the doctrine of holiness, and then apply it into the lives of the believers. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. This was uh, to be very specific. It was a pastoral responsibility. Today, it's still the job of a pastor that God gives to a church, that gives to the church, according to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, to apply the doctrine to the people of God. Now, the Holy Spirit does a lot better job at taking it and going and getting it very, very fine-pointed. I don't know about you, but there's, there's things, no doubt, in the message this morning that, that were fine-tuned to your heart, that the Holy Spirit said, hey, that's for you, and, and you need to take that all the way through, and he fine-tunes that, but there is the responsibility of Titus here to take the doctrine of God's Word and to apply it, and it's a practical responsibility. It's specific. The things which becomes sound doctrine. And that's what we see him doing in the rest of the verses there, to laying out, here's, here's the things that would become sound doctrine. Here's the things that when people hear you preach about the holiness of God, it would make sense that this would be how it's fleshed out in your life. It would make sense that this is how it is applied. So it's very practical. It's a practical responsibility. We saw last week as well that life application inside of a healthy church is not just to be spoken, it is also to be specific. And we see that in verses two through six 
uh, we see how it is very, very specific. We saw, first of all, to the older men. It says there in the Bible, the aged men. We define that as those that are 50 and older. Now you say, I'm 50, I don't feel, I don't feel aged, all right? I need all the 50 and older men to stand up like we did last week. 50 and older, can you stand up first again? Let's identify you in the congregation tonight. 50 and older, stand up. Here are our aged men. So aged. You're just so aged, all right? Uh, here are our, our men that are 50 and older. So that part, you can be seated. Thank you. And that part of this passage of Scripture here, uh, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, that is healthy in faith, charity, and patience. And God wants you men to be taking the lead in a congregation like that. Uh, he says there that, that the, the men are to be the stabilizing uh, influence within the congregation. You as the aged men, you're to be the stabilizing uh, sense. You ought not be waffling back and forth. You ought not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You ought not be hasting your decision. You ought not lag behind. You ought not say, well, we ain't never done it that way, so we aren't going to start doing it that way. You ought not lag behind. You ought to be full of faith and leading the congregation forward with your example in that way. And so to the older men. And then we got to the older women, the aged women. We like to say it around here. What is it, ladies? Well, you haven't picked it up. Maybe it doesn't make a difference to you. I say the mature ladies, the mature ladies. You're not, you're not aged. You're not, you're not old. You're, you're just mature right all right so all the ladies 50 and older i know we're calling you out at least it's a it's a wide i need you to stand let's identify this once again tonight 50 and older stand here we are i know that you know that's okay here we are the these are and god is speaking to you now you have a huge responsibility in this church and i want you to know that and i just want to underscore that in a few moments you all are going down to baby shower i want you to realize you have a huge responsibility a huge responsibility to this church family. You may be seated, and I appreciate you standing. But you notice here it says this, that the aged men, uh, women likewise. Likewise what? Just like the aged men. You, you need to be that stabilizing force. We said last week that sometimes uh, younger women, the younger women agreed to this, that sometimes emotions can go like all over the board, right? And, and the older women can provide, hey, I've been there before. And, and help through some of that. But notice there in verse number three, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. That their behavior, that your behavior at Grace Baptist Church, and by the way, God is not just interested in your life within these four walls. He's interested in your life outside of these four walls too. So there isn't a church life and then my life. It is, it is your life before God. And he says, I want your behavior I want it to become to be in balance with holiness. When people look at your life, they need to see there's a holy woman. There's a holy woman. What does he get into? Don't be gossiping. Don't be, don't be slandering. We found that that word there, uh, it, it, not false accusers, the idea of being a diabolos or being a devil, false accuser. Satan does a very good job at false accusing. And, and God says to the, the aged women in the church, you don't. You don't get in on his job. No, no, no. There's no gossiping among the older women. Now, listen, friends. A church, and we talked about this last week, can be destroyed by gossip. And we learned last week that if, if you're not a part of the problem or you're not a part of the solution, you ought not be talking about it. 
And if there is a conversation that's coming up that's not appropriate and it's gossip, you ought to encourage that person to go to the person they're talking about or you're going to go with them. But it stops with you. It stops with you. And it is that serious. Gossip will destroy a church. God deals with that among the older women, not giving them much wine, uh, not even going there, not even allowing that into your home. Be, a, be, a, be strong in that. Uh, teachers of good things, discreet, chase keepers at home. Uh, and so it, it goes on to, to say, hey, listen, I want you as older, older women to uh, come alongside the younger women because that's not going to be something that Titus can do. And so whose responsibility, ladies, is it for, the, uh, for to train and to encourage and to build up and to edify the younger women within the church? It's you. It's you. Now, I asked last week, who's your younger woman? Who's your younger woman? Have you considered that this week, or did we hear that? that and I asked that to the guys, too, to be fair. But did we hear that and not do anything about it this week? Were there any younger women, younger men called this week? Did you make it a point to pray? I'm serious about this. Pastor cannot, does not bear the responsibility of all this edifying. We do this together. And God has given a, a responsibility, especially to your older women, to help the younger women. So here's a perfect opportunity that God has given you tonight. This baby shower, instead of huddling, the young women and the older women, someone take the lead and break that up. Someone make sure that those tables down there tonight are, are mixed up where some of you older women can give some advice and some encouragement, make sure it's sound, but make sure that there's, I, I see some yeses going on over there. Praise the Lord. All right, I don't know what that yes was about, but make sure that this is happening. No, this is serious. This is as practical. Listen, we're talking about life application in a healthy church. God's word is practical. God doesn't want the generations divided like this. Uh, someone asked me this morning, do you have such and such a, a, a group? And I said, no, we just believe that, that the church needs to be together, that, that younger people can learn from older people and older people can learn from younger people. That doesn't mean we do away with Sunday school classes and all that. We're not going to go to an extreme on that. But there, there's a need for us to blend together. It's good for us to hear from the children tonight right? They hear from a lot of older voices. It's good for us to hear from them. It's, it, that's good for us. It's good for, the, for a, a young man or a young woman to, to take the mic and to lead us in, in prayer. That's good for our, our body. So there ought not be a, a divide like that. And so I encourage you, even tonight, ladies, very, very practically, make sure that even as you gather together tonight, blend with one another, encourage one another. Ladies, take opportunity to pray with these young moms. And these young ladies, single ladies, take opportunity to pray with them and encourage them along the way. But what are you to teach them? Uh, to, to love their husband, be a husband, uh, characterized by loving their husband. A husband lover, a child lover. That goes against everything in the grain of our society today, does it not? So teach them to do that. Uh, don't let them learn it out there when they come here. Listen, God's bringing in more and more young couples into this church. I need you ladies to say, you know what? This is what we believe. This is what we believe about womanhood. We believe there are two genders, and we believe it's okay to be feminine still. We believe it's okay to still wear dresses. It's okay to do this stuff. I need you women to come along, the younger women that are coming into our church, and say, this is why we do what we do, not to be weird, are you with me? 
but because this is Bible. It's okay to love your husband, and it's okay to be a, a mom at home, and, and it goes on there to be discreet, to not be boastful and, and loud like society tells them to be, to be chaste, to be holy, to be a keeper at home. It's okay to be a stay-at-home mom. It's okay. It's not easy. It's a job. It's a job. <laughs> Unpaid. Uh, to be good. There's a lot of truth in that obedient to their own husbands it's okay to still you know still teach and communicate that there ought to be an order within the home all right so there it is ladies there's there's your responsibility give me the chart would you and just understand this is what god's trying to do here titus you need to teach the older men you need to teach the older women who are going to in turn teach the younger women okay and then titus make sure that you're teaching the young men something let's move on where we haven't gotten to before the young men verse number six uh young men likewise exhort to be sober minded any young man that is under 50 years of age any young man that's under 50 years of age let's stand I, children any young man that's under 50 years of age go ahead and stand okay i'm thankful for the young men that god is uh, god has a, a, at our church all right here it is guys you ought to be looking at, you older men ought to be looking at these young men. Is one of these young men on your radar? Not just for services, not just for gatherings, but does, do any of these young men have your cell phone number? Do you have theirs? And do you text them? Do you communicate with them? Do you encourage them along? Listen, this is the future of the church. Well, you know what? I want the church to remain strong. If you don't encourage these young men, if you don't encourage these young men and invest in them, it won't. Thanks, guys. You may be seated. But young men, it is my responsibility to urge you tonight to be sober-minded. Now, I find this highly interesting tonight that this is all that God said for Titus to tell the young men. Just be sober-minded. Now, what does sober-minded mean? If that's all that God gave to these young men, it must be a pretty power-packed word, okay? So let's uh, uh, um, pull that apart. Uh, it is to think and live wisely in self-control over one's passions and desires. It is to have an understanding about practical matters and thus be able to act sensibly. Have we lost all sense in society? Is there not a little bit of laughter and sarcasm that goes around about young men not growing up until they're 35 years of age? Right? In fact, I'll say this. You go to, I, I went to Bible college, you go to Bible college, and often one of the, the cries of the young ladies within a, within a Bible college is there's no mature young men of their age. It ought not be the case, and you know where some of that responsibility comes back to, have they seen the maturity and have they been encouraged to maturity, exhorted to maturity within the church? You know Bible colleges only have young people from churches like ours? And by the way, if a, if a, uh, if a child goes off or if a, uh, and a young adult goes off to Bible college or, or to college, uh, secular college, they aren't going to get supported out there. They've got to be taught here. Where did Timothy get taught? By his dad? No, his mom and grandmother taught him. And then, you know what's amazing? That church functioning encouraged Timothy and the men that met with Paul in Acts chapter 16 knew about Timothy they knew about Timothy and were able to recommend him to Paul that's pretty amazing they didn't even have the book of Titus at that point 
So they were encouraging them along. They're role models. So uh, sober is to act sensibly, to have sound judgment, to be sensible, to use good sense, and to use sound judgment. We talk about leadership development within the church. I just want us to understand that if the church is only run by older men, or if the only people that ever serve as deacons within a church are older men, get it, the young people will never have, the young men will never have a chance to have opportunity to make mistakes, to make some, some judgments maybe that they need to be shaped and helped along. It's important that the, the older men are helping the younger men to come up and to be able to fill those roles within a church. And you know what? That means sometimes there's going to be mistakes made, and that's just a part of life. But what we're looking for in the hearts of young men in our church, and we're not just talking about 20 and 30, we're talking about teens, we're talking about juniors, and so on. We're looking for that sober-mindedness and developing that within their lives. God calls us to soberness in 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer, but be sober. Have a sensibility about you. Now, we can't go much further than that. That's what God has given. Now, here's the fact. One man said it this way. This is an appropriate word to young men. Uh, since youth is a time of brimming zeal, restless energy, and burning desires, in every area of life, they need to learn continence and balance. Continence and balance. Self-control and balance is what they need to learn. Well, where are they going to learn that from? Who are their role models? Come on, help me out. Who are the role models? Well, parents, okay, but who are the role models? We're talking about the context. We're talking about life application in a healthy church. Who are the role models to them? Just the pastor? Older men. All right, help me out, guys. The, who are the role models? Older men. So listen, I, I, I'm so serious about this. Because we, we, see, we get into churches and we see divides that happen within churches, and it ought not be the case. God did not design it that way, and he gave us a very practical section. Titus, make sure that you're teaching older men, make sure you're teaching older women, make sure you're teaching the uh, younger men, but there ought to be a learning from one another in these areas. They ought to see it modeled, uh, modeled in the older individuals' lives. And so to the young men, be sober-minded. And I say to you young men, could I just really encourage you to consider on this? Are you thinking? Are you living wisely? Are you taking God's truth and applying it in a wise way? Well, I don't have a family that depends on me, or I, uh, that, that's for older people. Listen, right now is the time to prepare. Right now is the time to prepare. I remember asking a, a pastor before I was married, I said, uh, what's the most important thing that I should be working on before I get married? It's a pretty interesting question, isn't it? What's the most important thing? I guess I'm probably about uh, 20 when I asked that question. And he says, you need to make sure that you rid your life of self selfishness. Well, that's easier said than done, right? But he knew that marriage, that marriage uh, tends to, you know, you come in conflict with self-centeredness as a man, right? That's why God said, love your husband even as Christ loved the church, or love your, your wife even as Christ loved the church. And so uh, there is such a need to live wisely, to right now be preparing on controlling your passions, controlling your desires, being accountable now, now, not waiting until later on or not waiting until a problem is so big that it, it takes years upon years to dismantle in your life right now. And guys, let me ask you this. 
Are you approachable, older guys, are you approachable by the younger, the younger guys? If they were having a problem and needed accountability, and I should say this, our churches, the, the statistics in our churches is well past 70% of, of men who are struggling with purity. Now, I hope our church um, blows the curve on that. But I'm just saying, are you willing, men, are you in a place to come alongside and say, you know what, brother, I'll be your accountability partner? Are you, are you in that place spiritually? How important it is. If they're going to act soberly, they need some helpers along the way. But young men, it is your responsibility before your God to be sober-minded, not inside the walls of this church, but everywhere you go. To be sensible, to conduct yourself as an ambassador for God. People are watching your life. You can blow your testimony in a minute. Everywhere you go. The way you talk, everywhere you go, letting God's word rule your life, uh, acting wisely in your thinking and in your living, everywhere that you go. And so, life is not a joke. We have to teach that to the, the young men. Life is not a joke. It's serious. We have to grow up. And there must be seriousness. I tell my boys all the time, hey, it's time to be serious right now, right? It's time to be serious and, and they have to learn that. And they ought to uh, see that exemplified in our church. Life is serious, is it not? Can I get an amen to that? It, it, life is serious. It's not something to be messing around with. Marriage is serious. What a serious deal. And as young men go into that, that the marital time, it's a serious deal. Finding a wife is serious. That's why I told you last week when my dad called me at the age of 20 and said, now you're accountable before God. I said, but I certainly need your help. I remember asking him, I need your help in finding a wife and uh, in making that decision. Why? Because it's serious. Sin is serious. Well, no one knows about it. Sin is serious. It'll eat you like cancer from the inside out. Leprosy is on the outside. Everyone knows it. Cancer's on the inside until, until some symptoms develop. And that's just what sin is. It's a cancer. It'll destroy your life. It's serious. Secret sin is serious. Pornography destroys. Serving God now is serious. It's serious. Oh, well, I'll wait till I'm a little older. And, and you know, serving God in the church is old, only for the older men. Guys, help us. Help us make, uh, make certain that that does not become the mindset here. That church isn't just an older man's or an older lady's thing. It is, it is every generation's thing. Are you with me on that? All right. Don't you want a church that is multi-generation? One of you. Amen. It's serious. Life is serious. The Bible tells us all to watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Be strong. What is quit? It's the idea of, of equip yourself as men. Be strong. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever noticed that the world makes fun of biblical manhood? Who, who in the TV shows, even of the, of the 1950s and going forward, who is typically the, 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 uh, the end of the jokes? Who, who's the one that gets, gets slammed as the, the stupid one? Over and over and over and over again. 
You know what? We have a society where there's absent dads. Young men who don't know how to be dads. And the church has to correct that. That's not how it's supposed to be. And there's some older men here. You might need to share some mistakes you made with the younger fathers here so that they don't make them. You mourn about some of the things that in your family and it hurts you and you look back and say, I I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have done this, but I didn't know any better. Well, couldn't you give that to some young man in this church to help them know better? Well, I don't know that they'd want to hear it. Maybe ask. Maybe ask. I'm not saying be meddlesome in in people's business, but man, I'm telling you, share what you know. Praise the Lord. It will help them along along the way. Now, I want to go to another section here, and, and I would like to just be able to lay this out. And so notice in verse number 7 through 10, he goes into another section, and he says, In all things, showing thyself, thyself, Titus, in, in view here, a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. So what he goes to now is he says, okay, we have the older men, older women, younger women being taught by the older women, and the young, young men. We have that, that in view. But Titus, I want you to make sure that you're on the right place as a pastor, and I want you to encourage those that you're ordaining to be on the right place as a pastor. And so this life application needs to be shown, not just spoken, not just specific, but shown, but shown. And where is it to be shown? Here in the life of the shepherd of the church, in all things showing thyself a pattern, a pattern of good works. And so here it is, Titus was to model holy living. You cannot lead people to a level that you've not gone to. And so Titus was to lead them by example. He was to handle the truth of God's word carefully with uncorruptness is the word, with purity and with holiness. He was to be sober about the things of God. You know, I see today their growing casualness about the things of God, especially among young preachers. Constant sarcasm, constant just, you know, uh, bantering back and forth and jokes. And, and do you ever get serious? And sometimes I've lost, I've lost people who I, was, who I was close to because they, they've lost the sense of sacredness and seriousness about the Word of God and about the ministry. Well, we can just kind of you know, approach it in a, in a haphazard way and, and almost like a, the bantering of a construction job site. And that, that becomes a staff culture, and it just, it's, not, it's not right. It doesn't honor God. It's not, it's not proper. And, and so he says, I want you to handle it in a, in a serious, in, in, with gravity, with, 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 uh, with a sense that this is a holy work. This is something that's important. We're not just to kind of play at this thing or joke around about this thing. And Titus was the model that with all gravity, he was to have sincerity, incorruptibility. He wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, allowed decay in his view towards the Word of God or how he handled the Word of God. So Titus, how Titus handled and lived out doctrine, here it was to be irreproachable. He was to handle it with sobriety. He was to handle it in a holy way, as from the holy God. But he was to live it out in such a way that he would not deserve rebuke. It doesn't mean that Titus would never make a mistake. It does mean that he would handle it in such a way that he was not worthy of a rebuke or or criticism. Why? So that the lost world watching him wouldn't have a a reason to blaspheme. Well, that's how the preacher, that young preacher over there does that, and uh, that's not very good, and 
And uh, boy, he says one thing in the pulpit and another thing in his life. And so he was to watch how he handled the word of God and even how he lived out the word of God. It was to all be done in the context of holiness. McDonald said it this way, there is no argument as effective as a holy life. That is for every single one of us. There is no argument this week as effective as a holy life. I'm going to preach the gospel. There is no argument as effective as a holy life. And if you will preach the gospel, and if you will minister, older men, if you will minister to the younger men, older women, if you'll minister to the younger women from a holy life, there is no argument as effective as a holy life. The pastor is responsible to apply biblical truth to his living as well. He is to practice what he preached. Paul said this, I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should become a what? Do you remember? A castaway. So that was his responsibility. Now, what about the rest of the congregation? How are they to show it? Well, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the showing of doctrine comes out in our work relationships and how we work. You ever heard someone say, hey, that person's a Christian, or don't hire a Christian. They, they don't work very well. You know, sometimes, sometimes Christians don't have a very good reputation for being hard workers or being sloppy. I used to know a Christian, can't see it from my house, nail it. Good enough for government work, it's good enough for me. That is an awful, awful, awful statement. It ought to be done to the glory of God. What's done here ought to be done to the glory of God. Guys, when we mow that lawn out there, coming in a couple weeks, right? Probably coming in about a week, we ought to do it to the glory of God. It ought to be better, better than other places. It ought to be better than a business, right? When we, when we clean this place, when we paint this place, when we lay down flooring, whatever the case may be, it ought to be, be and best. Why? It's for God. It's for God. And so how we work really reveals a lot. And so it needs to be shown in the life of a servant. Now here in context, um, the Bible is not condoning slavery. I just want to underscore that. The Bible does not condone. It mentions polygamy, but it does not condone it. The Bible mentions slavery. It was a cultural, it was a cultural thing going on in that day, but it does not condone it. But it does say to those that were saved as dwelling in slavery in that cultural context, they were to mind some things. Uh, you're not a slave, but you do work for somebody. You take orders from somebody if you go on to a job. And how can you apply what Titus is saying to these, these servants into you as an employee? And so whether you're a, a male or a female, take this and apply it into how you work. And so look at it. Exhort them to be obedient to their own masters. Is there not a bunch of insubordination in the workplace today? You don't have the right to tell me what to do. Actually, I pay you. <laughs> and yes, I do. <laughs> um, uh, obedient to their own masters, uh, to please them well in all things. Not just please them, but please them well in all things. Not answering again, not purloining. So the Bible mentions all this. The not answering again, don't have an argumentative spirit. You might not know why he's asking you or she's asking you to do it that way. Say, I'd be glad to learn the process and then, then begin to ask about the questions. I'm amazed at how many times people will never stop and learn process before they start giving their opinion about how the process needs to change. Does anyone see that or is mine the only one that sees that? Can you help me out with that? By the way, 
I'm going to just say something. Sometimes within the church context, some people do the same thing. They'll, they'll say, well, this is how it ought to be done, or this is the way I do it. They never stop and ask questions about the process and why the process got there to begin with. There's reasons behind some things, not meaning that something can't change, but a good, a good employee, a good servant is going to learn the process and then, then it can con- they can contribute to the process. Not purloining, the idea of not withholding, not holding back, not refusing to hand over. The idea is I'm kind of holding, I'm going slow in this job. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking my good, my good time. I'm not going to turn up the speed any, any bit. I'm just going to take my good old time. No, that's not godly. God doesn't want us acting like that. By the way, uh, we do that, and then we invite someone to Easter. How does that look? No boss is coming to Easter at your church, right? So we're not holding back. Fidelity, faithfulness, there's a loyalty, there's a, there's a faithfulness. I'm at the job, I'm on time, I'm, I'm doing my very best. And yes, there's up and down moments, but I, I'm loyal to the, to the job. I, I'm working hard, diligently. And by the way, being loyal to the job, friends, I just want to just say this uh, because it needs to be said. I, I, think, I think we have to be very careful about allowing Uh, jobs to overtake our life we must remember that we are first responsible to god and we must obey him first right in all things i I still remember to this day when i when i came to town my first job in town um was with a with a company i was painting and uh about the a weekend i found out that this guy was a chronic liar i mean he was just he was lying he's lying to customers he would tell us one thing and then he would lie to the customer uh, about it, and it was, it was really awful. So I went to pick up my check, and I told him I quit, and here is why. And I, I did not give him, uh, it, it, was, it was not a, a situation where I needed to give him two weeks' notice. He would not wanted me on the job after, after that, so I quit. And, and, and the reason I did is because he was, he was a liar, and I want, did not want to be attached to that. Why? Because at some point along the way, I'm going to be painting in somebody's house and trying to invite them to Jesus Christ and working for a liar. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that. Listen, we must, always, we must always honor God. We must honor God with our time. We must honor God in giving him the Lord's day. We must honor him in making sure that he gets first priority in our lives and allow the, allow the jobs to be subservient. But in there, we ought to be 110%. You ask for your boss, I need, I need the Lord's day off. I need Sunday off. I need to be at my church on Wednesday night. I want to be a part of the ministry there. And then you're not faithful and not hardworking in the rest of the, of the time, do you know what's going to happen? That boss is going to have a pretty poor perspective about church. Well, he always is asking not for off for church things, but it doesn't do him much good. No, no. You know what Paul is dealing with here? He's telling these, by the way, the Cretans were slow bellies, right? And that's what Paul called them. That's what their own poets called them. They were lazy. He's saying, listen, you need to step it up, guys. You need to be working and working hard. And so uh, the servant here is, uh, is uh, we can apply it, as we said, to an employee, to serving Jesus Christ. Uh, children, where are the children tonight? We could apply it to children in the home with your chores. With your chores. And I'm serious about that. Let's just look about that again. Not answering again, and all the parents said Amen. Wait a minute here. Come on, help me out more than that. And all the parents said amen, right? Not answering, not argumentative, not back-talking, right, kids? Are you hearing this tonight, kids? How about all the kids stand up, all the kids? 12 years and 
that for this next little bit, I'm just going to have you stand up. 12 years and younger. Uh, no, teenagers and younger, okay? Here we go. Stand up. All right, kids, do I have your eyes here tonight? So make sure that you're, you're listening to the Word of God here tonight. You're not to backtalk your parents, right? Amen, adults? Okay? You're not, you're not to purloin, so you, the idea you're not to withhold. Mom says, hey, I need you to go clean up the kitchen. And you say, yes, ma'am, I'd be glad to. And it doesn't take three hours, right? Do you know it doesn't honor God when you drag your feet? Well, I'll just kind of get it to it when I, when I want to and get it done in my time. And I'll, I'll, I'll. No, it doesn't honor God. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, what about this matter of faithfulness? Can your parents count on you to do the right thing every time, no matter if they're around? Or is it when they leave the room, all of a sudden you go back to doing what you want to do? They said clean up, but you go back to doing whatever you ever want to do. I'll just kick back. Listen, God's word is practical to your kids. And can I hear all the kids say amen? A little bit louder. Amen. There you go. You may be seated. And so listen how important it is. Uh, how we perform our tasks at every age level does reflect on our God. And it reflects on doctrine. Just get it in your soul. Let's get it in our souls that no matter who's around, no matter, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'll, oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to apply it here. Sometimes around church life, it ain't my job. Someone else take care of it. You know, maybe, maybe the buses go out. Brother Frank does a good job at cleaning up the buses, but you know, some, uh, sometimes, you know, you have kids, it ain't my job, it ain't my candy wrapper, Right? We'll walk through the pews here. It ain't, it ain't my stuff. Well, it looks like a mess. It ain't my stuff. Not my job. Every once in a while, I'll go over to the kitchen and find that there's a whole, uh, whole lot of times where, where someone thought, well, someone else will take care of that. Right? Right? Um, maybe that doesn't affect everyone, but you know what, I, what I'm saying? There's a, there's a lot of times where there's the opportunity to say that that's for someone else to deal with. Let's Let's show God and reflect good, sound doctrine by applying it right into the way that we work and we perform tasks and we go the extra mile. Maybe it isn't your job. Maybe someone else should have done it, but you're there and do your very best for the Lord. Whether therefore, say it with me, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. One more time. Whether therefore you eat or drink, All right, just checking to see if you have that memorized. You should, okay. And so, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation. Paul says that in Ephesians 4, 1. Worthy and balanced with your vocation. And all Paul is saying here to Titus, hey, exhort them in very, speci on very specific ways how to, how to live a life in balance with sound doctrine. By telling them the things that become sound doctrine and so i just want to encourage you tonight maybe you'd make make some statements in your heart like this you know i'm going to do my very best for the glory of god no matter who's around i'm going to do the very my very best i'm going to go the extra mile and do my very best at my job 
for the glory of God, no matter who's around. I will love my husband and my children and, and demonstrate godliness within the home as we, as we learned about tonight. I, I will stop gossiping and assuming the worst about, about other, other people. I will, I will be sober-minded and, and apply God's word into my life. Even though I'm, I'm uh, single or even though I'm a young person, I will apply God's word in my life. I will live it out in a daily way. I will, I will take a younger individual under my wing and start encouraging them in the Lord. I will. What is it that you should do according to Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 to help this church in its be healthy in applying doctrine in a, in a right way? And so let's ask the Lord and talk to the Lord about that before we leave. And so would you just uh, stand with me tonight? And I'm going to give an opportunity for us just to pray. God's word is intensely practical. Would you bow with me? Our Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God that is concerned with the details and that you were clear in giving it to us. Now, Lord, I pray that you would help us to apply this before we leave this place, that you'd help us to apply this and help us not to be hearers of the word and not doers uh, as well. I ask that you'd help us to do your word. In Jesus' name, amen. With our heads bowed, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask older men, younger men, older women, younger women, children, teenagers, to be able to come tonight and uh, pray around this altar and say, Lord, I want to take what God's word has said towards me. I want to take it. Lord, I want to do that. I want to be sober. I want to be obedient. As children... I'll obey my parents and I'll not withhold. I'll not drag my feet. I'll not back talk. There's children that need to come tonight and talk to the Lord about that. So before even the instruments play, come on, let's uh, do business with the Lord and let's just uh, touch base with the Lord tonight. Young men, be sober-minded. Young men, uh, older men, is it, can you tonight identify, can you ask God tonight, Lord, would you help me to put this stuff into practice, but then Lord, would you identify a young man that I can invest my life in? Older women, are there some older women that would come and pray and say, Lord, would you help this to be the life, my life? I don't want to accuse in any way. I don't want to, I don't want to gossip in any way. I want to model holiness. But would you give me a young woman as well that I can invest in in this church, that I can encourage and help? Older men and women, God is not done with you until you breathe your last breath. And this church needs you until you breathe your last breath.
We need your faithful example. And even if you're not able to do all the things you used to do, there are some young people coming up under you that can do the physical part, but they sure could use a prayer warrior. They could sure use a, a support. That takes time and that takes words. It takes words. Not empty words. It takes meaningful words. You have to express it. Brother, I'm praying for you. Now, how can I pray for you specifically? I'll call you on Tuesday to see how you're doing. Let's touch base then. If you need anything, give me a call. I'm here for you. My door's open. Father, we're so grateful that you are a God that cares about how we live our lives and the details. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, and every generation here to practice what you've given us in this passage of Scripture. May our church be healthy in the way that it applies your truth. And may you be glorified in that. Lord, tonight I pray that you would Bless the time that the ladies have and the men certainly spend some time together. Would you encourage encourage uh, the younger women with the older women's encouragement? Bless the time of fellowship there. We give you praise for what you'll continue to do. We certainly love you. Lord, to guide us in this week, we pray. May we go into our workplaces. May we exemplify you in all that we do. Help our children, Lord, to and our teenagers to honor you in how they work at home. And I pray that you'd help them to apply the word there. And help us, Lord, in everything that we take up as a task. Oh, God, I pray that you'd help us to reflect uh, sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, as we, as we go, I encourage you to stick around, guys. Encourage one another. Uh, but ladies, you're right down this way, and uh, so you're going to have a, a wonderful time down there, and so we're not going to stop you anymore. Do you have an announcement about that? So ladies, you'll be down in the fellowship hall, and then men uh, will be in the ambassador's class. There is barbecue chicken sandwiches, some chips and cookies and things like that, so we'll have a good time f- with the food as well as some fellowship. Uh, Next Sunday evening at five, uh, 5 o'clock, we have the uh, Greeters and Ushers training meeting. Uh, if you are interested in becoming a Greeter or an Usher, we could use a couple more. So if you're interested in that, if you'd like to be at the meeting at 5 o'clock next Sunday, gather more information about that, you're welcome to do that. And then please keep in mind and be praying over the next couple weeks about what God would have you to do for the Conquerors Through Christ offering. Pastor? Amen. Well... Don't forget Wednesday night. And can I encourage you on Wednesday night? Come here at 7 o'clock. Get in the auditorium. Don't, don't hang out 
if, if you don't have a place of ministry, can I encourage you to get into the auditorium on Wednesday night and let's gather together and allow God to work in the middle of the week. And uh, let's, let's continue to grow together and pray together. And uh, what a blessing it's been to be together. God bless you. Ladies, have a wonderful time. Guys, you too.